are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful, is my Savior's love for me. Father, we thank you that you're good. Even under adverse circumstances, you're still good. When we're drowning, you're still good. When nothing seems to work, you are still at work. And so we celebrate you this morning and we give thanks to you for what you are about to do in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. The world we live in is a world full of turmoil. There's too much going on. I do want to start by someone reading two scriptures uh, for this morning. So, whoever has got a good voice, I like voices, everybody's voice. So, Find your voice and do it for us. For to us a child is born. For us the son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Amen. God is good. God's promises are true and amen. Many years ago, in the early beginnings of the birth of this earth, human beings wanted to build a big tower to go to heaven, be close to God. And God destroyed everything. And so that destruction, even during Noah, was so immense that God sat back and said, well, I'll never do this again. And he gave a covenant. A rainbow, right? Every time you see it, it's God's covenant that is not going to destroy the earth again like he did. So he's a God of covenant. The second covenant I see is that of peace. I'm thrilled with the Advent messages that the pastor has been bringing to us. I'm thrilled for the season of light. I believe the season of light is a daily thing. It's all year round. It's like having winter all year round. You don't like that? How about summer all year round? You don't like that? But the season of light is an all year round theme that we should enjoy, 
that we should participate in, that we should be engaged in. Pastor Greg talked last week about the, the joy uh, and what it means to us. I saw those wonderful Jewish men and women dancing, excited. But I want to add a little bit to that, that is it joy or happiness that you seek for in life? Is it joy or happiness that you seek for in life? Happiness is conditional. If you are good to me, I'll be happy. If you are not good to me, I'll be nasty. Joy is like everything. It doesn't matter whether it is winter, summer, whether you are angry, you are not happy. I am still full of the joy of the Lord. Peace is the foundation for incredible joy. Now, help me understand, or maybe help me answer some of these questions. What causes a robber to rob a bank? What causes a terrorist to kill other people? What causes a man of God to seek for more when he has a congregation of 10,000 people? Why? What causes them to do, to look at things and say, Lord, I need more. Men that have been, men of God that have been involved with God, hear God, are still asking for more. I need more. Give me more. Remember, come Holy Spirit, we need more of you. Why? Why do we have those questions? All that we seek, all that we look for, all that we work for, all that we pray for is hidden in six fundamental human cravings or human psychological needs. Please write them down. Survival. Survival is a basic need that we have. You need to have shelter. You need to have food. You need to have air to breathe, good air, quality air, good water. Those are basic needs that every human being wants to have. Security. Everybody wants to be secure. You want to be driving on your roads knowing that nobody's coming in to shoot you when you're driving. You want to be in your house so that it is safe and secure. You can walk out and come in and do whatever you want to do because there's security around you. You don't want to be afraid of living in your own house. So security is important. The need to feel secure, physically secure, emotionally secure, spiritually secure, is important. Love and acceptance, or the need to belong. Young people are getting involved and engaged in gangs because they want to belong to something. They want to feel the significance of being a part of something that is worthwhile for them. Not only that, but we also know that when you feel 
and secure and unloved, the opposite of that is that you are what? Rejected, right? And rejection is the most painful thing you can have. Imagine giving all you have to a group of people, and all of a sudden when you show up, they all look at, here she comes. I don't know what she has got, what he has got. We don't want it to be part of our group. A painful event if you are rejected from the group. And normally when you are rejected from the group, you rebel against the group. You find other things to do. Self-esteem, the concept of respect. People can go to lengths to acknowledge other people. Have you noticed that when you go to any party, if you have got dignitaries, they are given a high table. It's not as high, but they call it a high table. They've got goodies around their table. The table is covered with a lot of flowers. And why? Just to identify and give them respect. Have you noticed? That maybe you are flying in an aeroplane. Have you noticed that they even have classes in there? Yeah. The business class. They don't stand in the line. They just walk through. Okay? And then you have the economy for some of us. Okay? It's respect, right? What, what you, you get for what you pay for. Right? The people in the first class have got all kinds of goodies. When you are getting there, they've got water, they've got drinks, they've got food. They can get what they want. But you got to wait until... Halfway through the flight, then they give you a little bit of something to eat. Okay? Respect. Extremely important. You want to be acknowledged. Have you ever been to a meeting when you start talking and everybody stands up and starts clapping? An innovation, right? The speaker feels good. People respect me for who I am. Growth and achievement. The need for growth is important. It's a celebration of milestone events. Jesus grew in stature and wisdom. So even the Son of God had to understand that that growth thing is important. Because if he didn't, he wouldn't be who he was. He was unique, but yet he understood. He grew in stature and wisdom of what to do in the kingdom of God. Impact and contribution. Each one of you live to make an impact or contribution to whatever you do in life. If you're at work and they give you your job and you begin feeling that you don't want to be there anymore, it may be because you are underutilized. You think you've got more to give and they don't give you the opportunity to give what you've got. And so what happens? You become frustrated. You leave to go and find a better job. So, or it could be sometimes that what you are, there's no impact to anything you're trying to do. You work so hard. 
Nothing is going on. So you decide, I, I don't need to, keep it, to be doing this anymore. I should go and find a place where I can make more impact to what I need. Believe me, when I tell you everything written on the prayer requests in this church, every single desire that brought you to be the house of God today, no matter how you want to twist it spiritually and call it something else, from the psychological standpoint, it is an attempt to draw and add into your life. This is very powerful. Nothing physical or material ever gives fulfillment. Amen. Nothing. Nothing. I used to think that the greatest tragedy in life was failure. Failure to achieve a dream was the worst thing that could happen to any man or woman in life. But I discovered that there is, there is another tragedy that is worse than failure. It is called success without fulfillment. Success without fulfillment means you work all day long. You work all day and night. And nothing materializes to what you thought you were working for. Ecclesiastes calls it something else. Right? Everything you seek for doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. It's void. Now, what is fulfillment? Success without fulfillment is a great frustration than failure. What is Fulfillment. Please write it down. I know you don't have pens. It's not my fault. Okay? You should bring pens when you come to the church to learn things. Because you, can, you think you, you'll get it. You don't. When you, once you leave, everything goes. Those who write keep the things that are important. I define fulfillment as the satisfaction that is derived from knowing that you have lived your life effectively, serving the purposes of God and being a blessing to humanity. Let me say it again. I define fulfillment as the satisfaction that is derived from knowing that you have lived your life effectively, serving the purposes of God and being a blessing to humanity. This morning, I'll borrow a concept from Genesis 37:15 to help us navigate through the simple question that we are going to discuss this morning. When Joseph went to take food to his brothers, he came to a, a field. He couldn't find his brothers. He didn't know where his brothers had gone. And so he started wandering in the field aimlessly. He's a smart guy. He knew, he knew the landscape. He could have had guessed where they went. And so a man came to him and, and looked at him and said, Hey, young man, you are very smart. You know everything. Why? What are you looking for? That's 7.15 says, What are you looking for? A very simple question. I would pose the same question to you. So what are you really looking for in life? 
What is the source of your frustration this morning? As simple as the question is, ladies and gentlemen, you can spend your entire life trying to search for an answer. You would think if you found the answer, you can, you can revisit it again in 10 years' time, and you will discover that your answer isn't as accurate as you thought it was. Many people have gone to, the, to their graves unable to answer the question. What are you looking for? What is it that motivates you? And why are you doing the things you are engaged in right now? There are people who retire, respectfully speaking, from a service, any service, any work, but cry and beg to stay on the job. They say, your time is done. You have 40 years, 50 years. Now go home. Oh, I just want to come. I can I come. I can just come back to work. Why? What are they looking for? Do you know it is possible to live your life impacting other people when you are frustrated and miserable? Do you agree with me on that? That you can be helping other people, but yet you are frustrated and miserable in life? Yes. Yeah. All the time. There have been many people in the secular and even in the church who killed themselves in the presence of overwhelming impact. They work so hard to make everybody do other things, but in the end, they still die because of their struggles. Many people live frustrated lives today, and when you ask them what they are looking for, they cannot really articulate what is driving them. What are you looking for? They think they're looking for a car. If only I could have a BMW. If only I could have a Mercedes-Benz. Things would be different. If only I could have a big house. Things would be really good. But do you know how much taxes those people in big houses pay? <laughs> do you know how much electricity they pay? In those big houses? Do you know how much water they pay in those big houses? How about Uncle Sam taxes? <laughs> so we long for things sometimes that look great until you get there. Then you realize what you are asking for, advocating for, is not good enough. Oh, maybe I'm looking for a wife or a husband. I just wish I had a husband. I've had now nobody. Wait until you get one. <laughs> and then you will realize it was the worst dream you ever thought you could have. Oh, I need children. Oh, I wish I had children. I don't have any. I wish I had five. Everybody has got five. God, I need children right now. Would you just shut up? <laughs> God gives you five children. 
Oh, you remember, you didn't think that they cost money. Ah, everybody's going to school and you don't have enough money to pay for their uniforms, to pay for their clothes, to pay for their books. Oh, you forgot. Five kids means that you've got to feed them. And you check, last time you checked, you didn't have money in your account. There's never anything. You can't even find a job. And now you go back and go, it was a mistake. I just wish I had one. What are you looking for? Nothing physical, nothing material has been authorized by God to give anybody fulfillment. None of it has the power to give you fulfillment. Whoa. (laughs) Now even your education or your marriage or your children or your new car would satisfy you. You know when you buy a new car? Have you noticed? You don't want it out of your sight. Huh? If you hear any bing bong, you're outside, you go and check. Oh, my car is still there. Nobody has hit it. Okay? When people are backing out and your car is next, you pay so much. Please, stay out. Don't, don't, don't scratch. Don't scratch. It's a new car. Well, I'll give you one month. After one month, everything you see on the streets looks like your car. Have you noticed that? That if you buy a Mercedes-Benz, it's like every two minutes, the next car is what? A Mercedes-Benz. All of a sudden, it surfaces in places you didn't expect it. And you are going, no, 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 no. Now I better buy something else. A Range Rover, whatever. You don't get the satisfaction. Nothing. Zip. And the car you used to wash every day is now being washed once every two weeks. It was so dear to you before you bought it. But all of a sudden, it's nothing. What are you looking for? Please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these things are not useful. But something happens suddenly that your car, your precious thing that you thought was real precious, becomes nothing. What really happened to that car? What changed? You eventually found out it could not satisfy the things you longed for. Why? Because of those basic underlying things. The six things we talked about. You remember that every day. Now they are now electric cars. Now the ones without electric cars are now scrambling. I need to buy one. I need to buy one. You see, the needs can't be met at any point in time. The Chiefs lost last week. It's a sad thing. I don't know where Scott is. That's why I didn't show up. Okay? Sorry, I'm just picking on him. (laughs) Why did people get angry? When the chiefs lost. Why? Some people cried like, as though they had lost a loved one. What did they really lose? 
what hurts you so bad that that loss lost your appetite over the food that you're supposed to eat? Was it really the ball? If so, you really like that oval object thing that much? You were hoping that a win would give you a little excitement or adrenaline or feeling that you are in a special class of environment that works for you. And since it did, it did, it did not happen, it reinforced again the fact that nothing on this earth would give you the satisfaction you want. What are you looking for? What motivates you when you wake up? Why are you doing the things you are still doing or still involved in in your lives today? We must borrow the mindset of a dying man to understand what fulfillment is all about. If you are not a dying man, you may not really comprehend the wisdom behind seeking fulfillment. I imagine that you, you have the last minutes of a dying man. There is something about the wisdom you must capture to help you define that what you are looking for. Imagine God told you right now that you only have three hours to leave. Got it? How many hours do you have? Three. Three hours. You are probably more than three hours from home. Okay? Maybe you went somewhere. Maybe you went to Chicago or wherever it is. You know, and all of us go and says, hey, you have three hours to leave. Three hours only. What are you going to do? And he proceeds to tell you that I know you have investments around the world. I know you plan to travel next week to a conference, a Christian conference. Make it much more easier. Okay? And you are the main speaker for that conference. I know that. God says, I know that. And I know you have a lot of things on your slate that you want to get accomplished. I know you have a family and good kids. So, what will be the focus? What will be the point of focus for you? You have three hours. What exactly are you going to focus on? With that knowledge, God adds just one additional information to you that no prayer will change the given time schedule for you to go, to die. Okay? You can't pray through it. You, can't, you can beg all you want, but you still have three hours. Think for a moment. What are you going to do? Remember, your new home, 
And a hometown is more than three hours away from where you are. So you can just run there and get there and be with your family. Because by the time, before you get there, you'll be dead. You won't have that opportunity. Think of something wiser that you will do. I'm about to share something significant with you, and then we'll pray. That's why I'm asking you this same question. What are you looking for? Let me give you an idea of what will happen to you in that moment. I will give you a guarantee that nothing else you have achieved in life will matter at that point. All your wealth, all your things that you thought were important, all your investments will not matter at that point. There's no bargaining chip that God, because I owe so much money, so now I can't give me a little bit more of time. You don't have that time. Time out. You know, when 9-11 occurred, the people on all those three flights had plans and goals to achieve when they arrived to their destination. Some of them were commuters who would commute from wherever they were to New York or to Washington, D.C., and then go back home at the end of the day. They had plans. They had schedules. They had appointments. They had things they wanted to do with their family. Oh, I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm just going to New York. I'll be back. I'll come and fix everything that needs to be fixed. There were also passengers... <clears throat> In the first class, right? In, the, in those flights, there were tourists, but they also had passengers in the first class. They had a business class. And they had people in the economy. But you know what? When the planes started going down, none of those things existed. Hallelujah. Everybody went down. Equally down. You couldn't even find out who was in the first class and the economy. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. There's only one thing you will be looking for at that point. When you stand with consciousness that you have only three hours to live in this life, you have nothing else to lean on. There's only one thing you'll be looking for. It is called peace. Peace of God. That surpasses human understanding. It's the only thing that will remain standing if you have it. Please write this down. The things you are looking for at the point of death is what you should be, you should, have, you should have had found first in your life and have the privilege of enjoying it. The things you look for when you are ready to die are the things you should be looking for in the first place Amen. so that you can enjoy life with peace. All these six fundamental human cravings or human psychological needs I talked about are hidden in one word. 
peace. The peace of God that surpasses human understanding will keep you, will keep your mind alert in knowing he is with me. He's walking with me. It's interesting. Very interesting. You can have it without buying a Mercedes Benz. You can have it even when you don't have kids. It's free. And yet, you ignore it every day. I'm giving you wisdom that is greater than all your investments in life. It is a waste of time to suspend your posture for peace until you have children. It is a waste of time to suspend your posture for peace until you have enough money. Jesus is the real peace. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give, you, give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid, John 14, 27. The only thing that can bring fulfillment in your life is peace that comes with knowing that you have lived your life effectively, serving the purposes of God and being a blessing to humanity. Ephesians 4, 6, 7 says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it says, shall keep your heart and your mind when you, you read. And the preceding verses say, be anxious for nothing. Wow. Peace is God's covenant to all who love him. It is a protection or insurance for your life. I went through an earthquake during these past few years. Earthquake. It took everything out of me. Everything I thought I knew was through the window. You know me. I was among you. You saw my suffering. I just never told you anything. If I tell you today, it used to take me 25 to 30 minutes to get out of bed, you would say, that's a crazy deal. You just walk out of bed and you spring out and you go where you want to go. When I was sick, it used to take me that long just to get, wake up out of bed, sit by my bedside, wait before I could go. There was no emergency. When your life is captured, when what you believe in, what you think you are, is no more. What are you looking for? What are you looking for? What are you looking for? Why am I teaching you this? Because I want you to, both, to be both successful and fulfilled in your lives. What are you looking for? What motivates you every time when you wake up? What are, why are you doing the things you do or you are involved in every day? 
no matter what happens in your life, never let the peace of God away from you. Keep it. Keep it. And at the end of your life, you will find out that peace brought you houses. Peace brought you education. Peace brought you cars. But your intent is not the same. When you have peace, I don't buy a car to satisfy me. I buy a car just as a tool to use. I tell you something, but you will wave them at the gates of success and peace will escort you gallantly into the realm of fulfillment. What are you looking for? Many of us have left, left peace along the way somewhere. Somewhere. Circumstances allowed us to live peace along the way. You worry daily about material things. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish I had this. I wish I had more money. I wish I had this. There's no peace. Nothing. We talk as though we have it, but we live bankrupt because we don't really have it. Are you going to be the same when in crisis, or are you going to change your behavior when you're in crisis? Can people see Jesus in you, the hope of glory, the King of kings, the Prince of peace in you when you are confronted with the most difficult time in your life? Or are they going to see a different thing in you? Are you going to be consistent? That people can say, wow, I wish I could be like that. What is your testimony when you're in crisis? Do people see Jesus in you? Or do they see the worst nightmare they never thought you had? What are you looking for? When tribulation comes, who is on your side? Is peace on your side? Does the peace that surpasses God's understanding on your side? Or you are a wreck. God loves you. God died for you. God gave his best for you. So that in the midst of tribulation, you will have peace. Peace. 